No G with a Z P-O-D Smoking Guns Podcast. We are a podcast that deals with professional football in San Antonio. That's all inclusive. We have it coming out of both barrels with the San Antonio Brahmas of the <laughs> UFL and then the San Antonio Gunslingers of the Indoor Football League. And that's what we're going to be spending a lot of time on tonight. Because if you're watching us live, you see that I am joined not only by my good friends, Leo Yamas and R.C. Woods, but I'm also joined by the man, the, the, the boss of the shooting match, the head coach, the general manager, Coach Tominas. Coach, what's going on? Glad to be here. Um, excited uh, being able to talk to uh, answer any questions you all have or any of your fans have and kind of get you up to speed on where we're at. Yeah, so let's start there. I mean, you you reached out to me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, I'd love to come on the show. We've been doing this three months now. We've got a couple of months before the season starts and about a month before training camp. Um, and I just want to make sure that the Smoking Guns Posse is up to date on what's going on and how things are going. Now, if they want to find out week to week, they can check in with you and Ralph on Branded uh, y'all do that almost every week. I, I tell you, I tell you this and y'all don't do that this week because it's Valentine's day and you're taking right. a week off, but every other week you guys do branded, um, on Wednesday we do, nights. We, we, we do it every week. It's just, we took this one off because the, our sponsor needs the room for what they have going on. So yeah. Restaurants are kind of busy on Valentine's, mm, right, on right. Valentine's just night. A tad, just a tad bit. But three months in, uh, where are you at? Are you surprised with how much headway you guys have made? Are you, this is exactly what you expected? What does this look like? Or what do things look like uh, as far as what you expected and what you've got at this point? Well, I mean, you know, I've had some success. And um, everyone always asks, what's your formula? Young coaches will ask, veteran coaches will ask, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And I share it with everybody. Uh, it's not a secret, right? Um, we win championships in September and October. And you got to be willing to work every day in the offseason to build a team and build a culture because camp is only a couple weeks long and you're not building a culture in two weeks. You're building a culture over those four or five months. So it's coaches' meetings player meetings, phone calls, Zoom calls, um, keeping guys abreast, just picking up the phone and randomly going through your your roster and calling the guy up saying, hey, how you doing today? How you feeling today? Um, getting guys that want to play for you and um, and then convincing them to play for each other. So that's what the, the process – and, of course, recruitment. You know, we're um, – I'm pretty good at that and uh, – we, yeah. you know, when you when when you win some championships, guys want to play around you, which is nice, and so it drew a lot of um, well-known guys to want to come here. And then, of course, you know Don Rackler. You know, uh, I can't say enough about the guy and and what he is committed to, um, which we can get into when you're ready. But uh, yeah, it's just it's been it's been pretty fantastic this off season. But very typical, also. Yep. You said last week, Coach, uh, in a comment, I think, um, that uh, training camp's coming up next month in March. 
from today from tomorrow yeah 30 from days tomorrow. Wow. so um with with all the recruiting that you've done uh, are are some of these guys raring to go? Is it are, are you in daily contact with most of, most of these guys, or how how are they staying prepared and ready for for training camp? Well, we've already had them weaning on film uh, of San Diego, and um, also the whole league for that matter over the last couple months. Um, and then also it's that constant communication between assistant coaches and their position players. Um, I deal a lot with uh, the coordinators and so, and position guys and, um, you know, talk to them about, Hey, did you call your lineman today? Hey, did you talk to this? Did you talk to that? And then I'll throw in calls to those guys as well. So yeah, when you're 30 days out, I mean, my phone rings probably eight, 10 times a day from players just to tell me they can't wait to be here. You know, coach, you know, should I bring this? Can I bring these kind of shoes? I'm really excited coach. Can I come, you know, and I'm like, breathe. We're going to be fine, you know, <laughs> but they're, they're, they're pumped up. They really want to get here and start working. So yeah, it's exciting. Well, coach, I just wanted to say thank you. Cause I know that you're very interactive on one of our Facebook pages, um, the gun, the gunsling hers. Yeah. And I just want to let you know that it's not just a Facebook page. I actually started like a, a female organization that we're here to support and be part oh. of the football team. So if there's um, things that you say, oh, wow, I wish I could ask some extra help, c contact us. There's a group of ladies that were willing to help out, small, big, it doesn't matter. We've helped out with tailgating. We've helped out with community events. We've helped out with egg hunts. I mean, so just know that we're here for you. And, and any way we can, just let us know. And like I said, we're not just a Facebook page. We are a group of women who really want to support. We know that behind every great man, there's a woman. And behind every football player, there's a mama. And so that's what we are. We're here for you and for the team. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, when I saw that, I thought, you know, what a great opportunity to maybe do a class for your group, um, like a football 101, and actually teach them the rules, not just sure. your plan, but understand the game. Um so that way, when they yell at me that I didn't play their kid, they know why. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can People help with that. That, no that never happens, right, Coach? That. Oh, my God. You'd think it would stop at, like, junior high now. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I've gotten cussed out by a few moms over my days. Yeah, but the thing about it is I think the more educated your fan base is, uh, the more passionate you become because then you know how to react to things differently. I, I, you know, like I can sit next to Susan um, and watch a game and she'll, you know, I'll say that wasn't holding. She goes, yeah, it was he pulled his jersey over his head? You know, it's, you know, she understands the concepts of it. So it makes it makes it easier to be a, a real fan. But yeah, anything y'all need, you know, with my spare time, I'd be happy to um, go ahead and do whatever I can do to help contribute to that. So, oh, yeah, that would be great. I look yeah. forward to that. So. Coach, you're talking about the stuff that you did in September and the work that you did in September. I know because I, I know some of these guys. I know some of the organizations around that there are guys even on this level in the IFL that treat their coaching responsibilities as a part time gig or a a half year gig. You don't. You can't. Yeah. Um, why? Why is it so important that you be active all the way in September for a season that doesn't start until April or May. I mean, the probably the 
you know, the core to that answer is I have a fiscal responsibility to my ownership that pays me year round. And I want to give them an honest day's work every single day and exceed expectations, not just meet expectations. So I want to, I want to make sure that they're getting one, what they paid for and they pay me very well. And I want to make sure that they understand that this is something that I'm going to do um, 365 days a year. I think Miss Susan and I figured it out. And since I signed, I've probably been home less than 20 days. Oh, wow. Since August 31st. Dedication. And, well, commitment, right? It's commitment. It's commitment to the Racklers, the Stubings, the, uh, the football players, the coaching staff, the community that, you know, Hey, I talk a lot of crap. I get you, you know, but that's out of confidence. And, but I, I think I can back it up because I put the work in. There's a well, it, it gives you the opportunity. It gives you the credit with players and your other coaches when they do come down in about a month to say, Hey, I have been here laying this foundation for you guys. I, I have been here. You get that credit. You get that foundation. Uh, walking in the door because you've done the work. Um, and yeah, look, and, some guys. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to step all over you there. But the players I, call me like almost weekly and say, thank you for being here. Sure. And thank you for doing what you're doing now. So when they walk in, even the coaches, you know, like I was telling Coach Fuller the other day, we were working on the playbook. And I said, Coach, when you come in on the fourth, your playbooks are going to be all printed, bound, and sitting on your desk. I'm going to make sure of it. You know, I'm going to make sure you have 30 playbooks sitting there. Same thing with McKinney and defense. And, you know, I'm, I'm worried about getting their offices right. Make sure they have big enough monitors and whiteboards and, and all that. So when they come in, they see all that effort that went into place. Uh, all the heavy lifting's done. Now you just need to do what you need to do and be a good football coach or be a good football player. They appreciate and it and they say it. And to be fair, we don't need to put this necessarily only on these coaches that work half the year at this job. Sometimes the organization, the ownership can only pay them, uh, really is not even pay them, paying them fairly for that half a year. Coaching is hard. Coaching is yeah. one of the hardest, oh, yeah. biggest well, I, things to do. And even if you're you. doing a half year of it, um, some of these organizations can't, uh, won't, can't or won't. Uh, take care of their coaches the way that they need to to have a championship organization. You do not have that situation here in San Antonio. So right. here's an opportunity for you uh, to tell us about the Racklers and about the Stubings and this entire group around you that supports you uh, and makes it worth a year-round commitment away from your family to do this. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, just to circle back for a second about coaches getting paid in the offseason or whatever, historically, it's pretty common practice not to pay your assistants during the offseason, right? Um, and I'll tell you this, my coaching staff didn't miss a Zoom call, didn't miss a meeting, didn't miss a player call, didn't miss anything, and they were always there. But in retrospect to that, because of Don Rackler, I'm able to pay my coaches probably the best salary. I would say it's probably pretty close to the best salary in the history of indoor football. Wow. Wow. For my That's assistant. great. And I want to make sure one of the things I came in and said is, yeah, you know, here's what I need. Here's what I want. But here's what 
it doesn't stop there. It goes through my coaches and my assistant coaches and coordinators. I want to make sure that they make a living doing this and can rely on sending money home to their families and doing the things while they're away and be able to do that. Now, you can't do it with players in the IFL because we're under a salary cap, but you can do it with your coaching staff. And um, so, first of all, that was the first sign with the Racklers and and Stubings that they were committed to building a sustainable staff for long-term success and and going after a championship right away. Because if you look at our coaching staff, I mean – Lee Johnson was a head coach. Coach Fuller was a head coach. Coach McKinney was a head coach. I've been a head coach. The only guy who hasn't been a head coach and could be is Jeremy Richardson. And mm-hmm. he's he's probably, like I keep saying, he's a fantastic GM, player recruitment. So these guys should be recognized, and they should have every opportunity to, uh, to make a living at their craft and not just survive. Um, that's the first part of it. The second part of it is that when uh, it's a kind of a neat story. I, I don't know if I've told it to you guys yet, but when I first got here, um, you know, the excitement was palatable for me and my wife because we had made this commitment and we had just gotten into San Antonio. And I think a day later, uh, James and I went looking at practice facilities and I said, well, show me where you practiced last year. And they showed me, and I said, I won't practice there. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be, you know, disrespectful. It's just that's not going to build a championship culture. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, and then we said, okay. So we started looking at places, and we looked at, you know, your typical ones, your high schools, your indoor facilities, places like that. And as we were going over the interstate, I said, see that building over there and that property? That is the perfect perfect facility make it all football 24 7 and he goes yeah don owns that i said what (laughs) he said yeah don owns that well subsequently a day or so after we went through we went to a luncheon with some sponsors and people from the arena just having a normal meeting and don was sitting at one end of the table i was sitting at the other end of the table and james walked around whispered in my ear he goes don just said yes to the facility and from then on, um, it, it, it just kind of went into the next phase. <clears throat> now, if it would have stopped there and we would have came in and put up some steel lockers and put a couple ice tubs in, it would have still been great. But here's what we did. Here, breaking news. All right. So when you walk into our facility, the first thing, if you walk in through the front door, you're going to see a merchandising store. It's going to have all of our merchandise for fans to buy and a ticket office where you can purchase tickets. Then you go through, we have administration offices, coaches' offices, my office, James's office, April's office. All of our offices are in here. Social media, everything in one building. You go under an awning, probably 12 yards, 15 yards, and you're the actual football building. In the football building, you open up French doors. Of course, why wouldn't you, right? You open up French doors and you walk into the players' lounge. Pool table, TV, Xbox, couches, place for them to relax when they're not in meetings or practice. Private kitchen for players only. Fridge, microwave, sink, all that so they can warm up their burritos and do whatever they want to do. Go into a locker room, 
custom built, hand custom built 25 custom lockers. Um, going to the restroom area, not just a shower, a shower head at eight feet rather than six and a half feet. Everything thought of for the big guys that we have on the team. Um, you walk through the locker room, you're in the private meeting rooms, players' meeting rooms, um, hold about 50 people. You want to have an offense-defensive meeting, accordion wall comes out. You have two rooms, offense and defense, indoor-outdoor weight room, full training room, four-bed training room, state-of-the-art, ice tubs outside. Then for lunch, we have this beautiful um, awning area around the building. Uh, we have a catered lunch being brought in every day for practice for the entire season. And I said, well, what about if it gets warm at around 12 o'clock? And he goes, oh, we're going to put outdoor air conditioning in. Don't worry about that. You know, so and then we have our field that was at the Freeman last year being installed uh, 20 yards from that building. And we will have probably the only arena outdoor football field in the country. Um, with goalposts, the whole bit. So crazy. Um, now, and he's asking me, what else do you need? And I go, I, I can't think of anything, you know? <laughs> so, well, so, well, yeah, I do. Hold on one second. Then he went out and spent a quarter million dollars and bought a brand new football field for the Freeman. Wow. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to talk some about that, but let's talk about this facility first. This is not something that exists in renderings and artist drawings that is a dream one day. You are sitting in gunslinger nation right now as you talk to us aren't you i am and i think yep the crew just left about 10 minutes ago that was working in there the finished carpenters are in there now um the uh the facility will be done probably the first week in march completely um what we're going to do at that point is we're going to have an open house um around the time that training camp starts and then uh, like I've said all along, I'm encouraging fans to come out to practice. It's going to be open practices. Um, there will be some rules involved, obviously, no filming, no this, no that. Mm -hmm. But you can come to practice. If I change practice, we'll post it on social media and say it's going to be a closed practice today or things like that. So people, But there's going to be food trucks out here. There's going to be uh, everything for the fans that they could possibly want. And I'll tell you what, you know, if you're a true fan, you only get eight home games. Right. Right. And you get 16, you get eight on TV, eight at home. You'll probably see 100 practices if you come here because we practice six, seven days a week. So why wouldn't you want to come to practice? That's where right. happens, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, we're encouraging that. So, so coach, I'm sorry. I have, I have a quick question. Talking about the beautiful facility that you're describing. Do you have a name for it yet, or do you think maybe you can make it a contest for the fans? No, it's you it's can come it, up with the name. It's GSN Gunslinger Nation. That's okay, what it it's the GSN Complex. All right, cool. There'll be a big sign going up here probably in the next week or two, and people will start figuring it out. But I'm kind of keeping it quiet for now, um, you know. Uh, but it's it's because uh, I'd, I'd like to show it when it's done, you know. Right, uh, right, right. Mm -hmm. Let everyone see it in its full glory, if you will. You know, so so Coach Manas, for for those of us here in San Antonio that have seen this organization from the start, I, I'm sure you've heard some of the stories. You know, mm. playing in a rodeo venue, you know, in the dirt, and setting up, you know, uh, setting up 
the field, you know, players working on setting up the field at last minute before opening opening game. Uh, we called the blue monster, the now infamous uh, uh, oh. blue painted turf. Um, practicing at, you know, a, a outdoor soccer facility, having to climb fences to retrieve balls on kicks and, and going in through the back, you know, with a, a, a chain link and, and sneaking it or not sneaking in, but, you know, cutting in through the back gate to get equipment in without having to walk all the way around. I mean, just the growth of this organization mm-hmm. over, you know, four years now we're with Don Rackler uh, as ownership um, and, and the Stubings there and they're going into their second full season, two and a half years they've been with this organization. So all of this that you just mentioned, all this stuff is like night and day and like just an amazing uh, development in such a short period of time. But that's for us from San Antonio, someone who's been around a few of these leagues and seen some of the facilities and, and, and players that, you know, what they have access to, how, how, how is this organization looking in only it's, you know, fourth full season uh, compared to, other indoor football leagues and organizations that you've seen? Well, you can treat um, this experience. He could have treated the experience as a rebuild year, right? He could have hired a coach that would have came in and with one lofty goal, just making the playoffs, right? Um, And one of the things that when I was talking to James early on in this process, I said to him, understand, I need a full commitment by you guys um when i come in that we're going to do it a, a way that you might not be used to because of your lack of experience in ownership but i said there's a way to have a winning culture instantly and that is you treat players like professional football players and they will give you a professional football playing experience if you treat them like indentured servitude they will act like indentured servitude be grateful you got this slice of pizza or this bag of ramens. Really? Uh, I had a talk with the commissioner today, and we were talking about another issue. And I said, do you understand we treat these people like they're our sons? And if it's not good enough for our sons, we're sure the heck not going to do it to them. Right? So we're going to always raise that level of servitude towards just doing the right thing. And I want to make sure that when the boys come in, that they feel like, wow. I mean, we've had a couple of players stop in and take the tour and they're like, oh, my God. And they're on the private chat, you know, that we have set up for players and coaches. Like, you can't believe this place. Oh, my God. You know, because these are guys that would get in arguments for a towel, you know, or can you please have someone come and get the cockroaches out of my room or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, This is not only going to be the number one facility in the country for indoor football, but it's also the number one recruiting tool for players mm-hmm. in the, you know, in this, because I feel bad for the 15 guys we got to cut because they got to go someplace that ain't like this. Right. And they're the first thing they're going to say is, well, we had, and we had, and we had, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, uh, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be significant in the long-term growth and success of the gunslingers. Uh, practice field is the full field. You're, you're dropping the full field there on. Uh, it's the Freeman uh, field from last year. That's great. Uh, speaking of the new field, 
Um, where did that come from? Like, if somebody wanted to go, is it a brand new field? Is it is it brand it's, new, it's, never it seen before? Brand new, never seen before. Probably has the league's largest logo in the middle. Our nice. logo. I think the logo is like forty feet by twenty feet or something. It's crazy. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, that sounds great. Uh, you know, well, come on, Don Reckler, bigger's better, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, you look at it and you say, um, you know, what kind of field is it? Well, if you watched the championship game last year, it's mm -hmm. the same, it's the same field manufacturer as the championship game, same one That's Arizona right. uses. I think us in Arizona um are doing it. And what's unique about this field is it doesn't roll, it comes in okay. square sections. So mm -hmm. you don't have that wave and that lippiness. Mm -hmm. So when you mm -hmm. stack, you stack it flat. So it's state of the art. It's next generation turf. It's coming out of Canada, out of Quebec. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where the manufacturer's at. Um, they're going to come down and help us set it the first game. We got brand new dasher pads going around the arena. That was another $100,000, you know. Sure. Um, but all these things that we're doing um, – are one for the safety of the players, but also to show the community how vested we are in long-term sustainability here. You know, you're not going to spend a quarter million dollars on a football field and then say, ah, we're going to sell the team next year. Ah, we're out of here. Ah, you know, it's not going to no. happen. Right. He's in, he's in the here. So my job is to get him a ring. Now that's my thing. So. You have how does it feel? Good. I was just going to ask you because you mentioned the Dasher uh, boards in in the uh, in the arena in Freeman or Freeman Coliseum. I assume you have Dasher boards on the practice facility, or is that just uh, no wall? Um, well, we have what we the reason the, the practice field is so valuable to us is there's landmarks. The fields, you know, has the the hash marks a certain way. It has you know the condensed field, the fifty yard field versus the hundred yard field. It has the I think it's, you know, 100 yards by 29, roughly 29 yards, 28 point something yards. So the landmarks themselves will do that. The idea of putting a wall up at practice kind of scared me, to be honest with you, um, because, you know, some guy gets hit into the wall and you got, you know, an unjust mm -hmm. uh, injury. So we have a landing area, if you will. So if they go off the field, it's not as evasive, but we'll be able to, through film, we film practice. We're going to film practice from two spots every single day. So we'll be able to teach off the film, not necessarily off the wall. Um, the goalpost, obviously, it's not going to hang, um, but it's going to be regulation, you know, at the back of the end zone. Um, and so when we, we, you know, have that up, uh, we can do full kicking game practices, which are you know, incredibly important in arena mm. or football. So we're going to do all those things. And, um, you know, two filming stations, we're going to have bleachers up for the fans. We're going to have things, but I tell fans, you know, we were talking about it and I was all about bleachers and Don said, you know, most people are just going to want to bring their lawn chairs. Like they're going to their kid's soccer game. I said, that's probably even better because then they can, you know, just be comfortable instead of sitting on a 108 degree aluminum seat. You know, mm -hmm. practice. So, uh, well, and this this gives the organization opportunities to do football camps and cheerleading camps, all those things that you guys have to find a venue for now, and you mm -hmm. have to rent right. uh, a field from somebody to do a football camp. Now you get to do that um, at Gunslinger Nation, which is really kind of a neat 
uh, a neat opportunity. How does it feel to know that like you've been an instrumental part of that and five years down the road or 10 years down the road or whatever you decide, Hey, I've won eight championships in a row as a gunslinger for the, in the IFL, it's time for me to be done. Uh, whatever that looks like, there is something that is going to be, uh, you know, there is a legacy that you're going to leave in San Antonio, even as you walk away from the team. And you have that in other places. You have that in Albany. But as we saw last year, that can all kind of crash down, unfortunately, the way a lot of this stuff is built. Mm-hmm. What you're building here is going to be much harder to just poof, disappear into uh, the ether. Um how does it feel to know that you're laying something down that, that, that does not easily move, that is not easily just done away with? Um, in a, I'm, I'm trying to not act over enthusiastic in the sense that my new goal, Philip, and you'll appreciate this as a Christian, be a little humble when you can be humble. Right. But sure. I, I, I really, I'm going I'm to give you a sec. I'm going to give you some time in a minute to be not humble. We're going to talk about some okay. not humble stuff in a second. Okay. So do that now. <laughs> All, right. All right. Um, one of the things that I've never achieved with championships is I tend to rub my opponents the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, either by beating them and or by telling them I'm going to beat them. Um, and then, so I've only had the opportunity when coach of the year once after 12 championships, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, yeah, but then heck Fred Shaw, that was a great example. I went like, I, I, I lost one game, I think, and Fred mm-hmm. only won four games and he won coach of the year. And, right. I, and I wasn't just, I was happy for Fred, but I'm like, really? <laughs> lose one game, win the championship, and you don't even – I didn't even make the ballot, you know. So one of the things that I would like to do more for my kids than for me is I'd love to make the Hall of Fame. I, I would love I would love the opportunity. If I won eight championships, as you just described, I would love to be yeah. in that so they have that legacy. Um, you know, rings don't mean anything to me. They're, they're in glass boxes in my office, you know. I don't here. I'll show you. I don't even wear them. These they're here. Can you see that? They're all in cases. Yep. I, I don't wear them because the next, you know, your favorite ring is your next one, right? And the other ones the kids all have. So my thing is if we could do something like that, and but more importantly, if my players get the recognition, if my players win the MVPs, if they win the uh, you know the outstanding players, the rookie of the year, if my coaches win coaching awards if all that happens, I couldn't be happier for them. That that's almost as gratifying if I want it. So from that selfish standpoint, it would be nice if one day, if the accomplishments merit it to be in a hall of fame. So that, that, that's my selfish goal. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, with everything, all the groundwork that's been laid down, uh, by, uh, the gunslingers organization to date and starting now and, and with you coach Manas, I I think it would be awesome. Uh, Obviously an organization needs enough history to do something like this, but where the San Antonio gunslingers organization itself could have a ring of fame uh, where you recognize, you know, historic players and coaches. And that would be cool. Obviously if you're making the hall of fame, you're going to be in that ring of fame as well for the, 
San Antonio Gunslingers organization, and that would be special to have uh, as an organization as well. And that would mean that there's some staying power, which we know is the goal. So, hundred uh, percent, I, I would love to see a Ring of Honor with former players that merit it uh, up there and coaches. Um, I think that would be a huge testament. I'll tell you a little inside story. So, my goal obviously is always to win a championship, right? So I told Susan. She said, well, you're under like a, really a three-year contract, right, with the gunslingers. It's two plus the option year. And I said, yeah. I said, but if I win this year, I'm going to propose a lifetime contract with the gunslingers. No one's ever done it. And you can still fire me, but I'm proposing a lifetime contract because I can't see me being any place else but here till it's all done. No, I, no possibility of a move, uh, you know, to one of the bigger leagues. I got offers already. I get offers all the time. I say no. No, I this offseason, I probably had more offers than I had when I was 35. I mean, I, I just – I have no desire. Um, it, it Again, Don Rackler is the best owner I've ever been with in the history of my football career, period. No one comes close. There's not a close second. There's him, and then there's everybody else. So, so, so you'd like to see yourself go from head coach to head coach emeritus, uh, and just kind of you know pass the reins off to the next guy. But I'm still part of this organization as long as no, uh, I want to coach the one head here. <laughs> okay, we'll okay. do it. You heard it here first. No, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, my thing is, I don't want. I could go get front office jobs. I've got AD offers. I've gotten all kinds of stuff. Nope. I wouldn't do it until they haul me off. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm smart enough to know when the time would be right, you know. But the one thing that coaches crave, successful coaches, is loyalty. Loyalty by their ownership. Are you loyal to your coach? And what I mean by loyal to your coach, if your coach is doing all the right things, not if your coach is a schmuck and, and doing things that he shouldn't be doing. But if your coach is doing what you ask him to do and he's winning football games and he's doing all that, all they want, all head coaches want is loyalty by their ownership. That's it. And once you get that, it's really hard to find. And I can tell you, I mean, I would do anything in the world for Don Rackler, anything. And um, I would love, I would love to be here. I would love this to be my first last job and, sure, and sure. not have another one after this. Uh, take this long as it'll go. So let's talk a little bit about this idea of being humble because you've made no secret uh, since September when you walked in uh, that your goal, your expectation for the year, even though it's your first year in this league as a head coach, even though it's the first year for this team in this league, your expectation is to hold up hardware at the end of the year, to be the champions of this league. And it has gotten a little bit of eye roll from the IFL community around. And, you know, how, how dare you just walk right in and think that you're going to take control? Um, I, I can already tell the answer is I don't care. I don't care what they say. But go ahead and tell us how much you care about what they say. I'm trying to think of this little analogy this guy gave me. He said, <clears throat> we're all going to die, right? We all agree on that? We're all going to die? Yep. 
Yeah, one yet yeah, one guy, and you don't know when you're gonna die, right? Right. But you you have confidence, but you have confidence every night to set your alarm for tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. That's me. I got confidence that I'm gonna hit my goals. Now that's confidence, right? Don't don't confuse it with arrogance. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't say I'm gonna win. I said we're gonna win. The, it's a player's game. We have the best players in the country. Period. Period. Hey, I'll tell you what. If you end up beating us a game this year, you got to save that ball because it ain't going to happen a lot. Right? So my thing is I'm not betting on Tom and Oz. I'm betting on Laquan Murray, DJ Myers, Sam Castronova, Cornelius Lewis, Isaiah Hardy, you know, Vincent Gregory. I'm, I'm betting on them. I'm not betting on me. I'm betting on them. And so – um, I don't really care what people think. I, I really, really, truly don't. You know, I said the other day, we were kidding around on your show. I said 30 points in San Diego. I was wrong. I think it's going to be much higher that we beat it. <laughs> I do. I mean, I, 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 so, I really do. And, and if they beat us, I'll be the first one to shake his hand and give coach a hug and tell him great job, you know. But um, I'm going to go in it like we're going to punch you in the mouth. And it's going to get nasty. And we're going to play within the confines of the rule, but we're going to play to the first whistle, the last whistle, and that's the culture we're building here. And and I think that's the problem with a lot of coaches, you know, that they don't want to bet on themselves. They don't want to bet on their team. They want they want to hedge their bet. Oh, they're a really good football team. We hope we can be competitive. One or two things when you say stuff like that, you're either a liar or you're weak. And you don't have enough faith in your team. So which one is it? You know, and, and I would rather be accused of having confidence in my guys than not having confidence in my players. It's just not going to happen. It never will happen. We have been very blessed here in the history of this organization to have head coaches that have that mentality. You talk about setting up a culture uh, from Coach Q in our first year to Coach Fred Shaw in the last two years. Every one of those coaches has never backed down from championship expectations, no matter what league we were in. Uh, and we didn't get to it in any of those three pre previous years. That doesn't mean that that wasn't the expectation for those guys. Uh, and even last year, it got us a little bit of, um, as, as things begin to get shaky down toward the end mm -hmm. of the year, we got a lot of ribbing from other fan bases around the NAL at the time that were like, ah, you guys thought you were good enough to win the championship. Here's my thing about head coaches in this league or any league. If they're going to walk into the season and not feel like they have an expectation to win a championship, I don't want you coaching a team that I cheer for. I just yeah. don't. If that's not your expectation as you walk into the season, go coach somewhere else. Right. Go coach in uh, San yep. Diego. Go coach anywhere else. Don't get anywhere near my team. Um, I, I agree, it, but here's the difference, Philip. Coaches that say similar things that I say don't work as hard as I do. Mm -hmm. So I'm still in my field, man. I'm getting ready for the expectation of it to happen. And, you know, we all know the biblical analogy of the farmer prepping his field for rain versus the other guy just praying, right? Mm -hmm. You got to get your field ready. Our field's ready. Like our culture's already there. 
it's only going to get stronger. Um, you know, one of the things that we do is when the boys get here on the 14th, um, we're having a supper at the Reckler Ranch. And it's basically to say, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming to compete. Thanks for being a part of this. We support you. Um, we wish you all well, that kind of thing. Then week, 10 days later, we're going to do the first and only cuts of the year. And then when that happens, we'll have another dinner that night to welcome the team together into the fold as a family. And then once we have the family in place, that's when the real bonding and real work starts. Cause now the guy next to you in your locker is going to be there until August 17th, you know, and that's the thought. So it's easy to say, it's easy to come off and say, I'm going to work hard. You know, we're going to win the championship and da da da, da And they haven't done anything in the off season. Like they, I, I, I've, I've talked to players. I go, when's the last time you talked to your coach? Oh, I didn't talk to a coach. Well, when's the last time you, I don't know who he is. Uh, when did you, I don't know. When you guys were running, I don't, they haven't sent us out anything yet. You know, and then our guys are like driving me nuts on report date. Can I come early? Can I this, can I that, you know, and, and, and again, I'm not saying our way's better, but it's the formula that's worked to create championship cultures. It's just, it works. You know, it's really, really hard, guys, to play for me. It's not an easy thing. It, it really is not an easy thing. Um, I expect a lot. I have one rule, and that's be on time. And everything else is an expectation. So do I really have to tell you to put your cell phone in the basket before you walk into the team meeting? That's an expectation. Do I need to tell you not to put, leave stuff in the microwave? Do I need to tell you to not fight at practice? Do I need to, you know, those are expectations. The only one I have, the only rule I have is just be on time for everything. And that's a hard, fast rule. I charge you by the minute you're late, but don't ever confuse discipline with punishment. Discipline is just an opportunity to get better every day. It's not necessarily a punishment thing. It's our guys leave our programs, and if they go other places, they make those programs better by what they learned. So that's a big part of it. So thinking about the season, is there a certain team that you're most excited about playing against and why? Yeah, Jacksonville in the championship. Yes. Yes. Go. yes. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. That's the only yeah. time we'd see them. I, I, I love those guys. Um, I was talking to Jim Monier today on the phone this morning. And I said, you know, I got to get that win back from Gibson. It's the only time he beat me when I was playing with that AB team. And uh, I said, I want to get that asterisk taken off that championship where I gave him my quarterback for a year. I let him borrow him. You know, right? So, mm -hmm. I love Gibby. Don't get me wrong. I think that would just shut everybody up if the two of us <laughs> were in that thing. You know, it would be pretty. It fun. would be great. It would be really great. And I, I kind of feel like, and look, we're in the IFL now, so maybe I don't need to say anything bad about IFL or or negative about the IFL. But I feel like the IFL kind of puffed its chest out for the last couple of years of like we're the best league, and their run is their run is the top organization. But talent-wise, I think the teams on the NAL level over the past two years were just as talented, mm -hmm. well, maybe I, I even think, more than I, IFL teams I'll, were. I'll be honest with you. I think more so. Um, 
I, I had some talks with some scouts and players and, and recruiters and such. And I said, you know, you would be hard pressed to find a team like we had in 21. And then in 22, we were even better. And we didn't say it. We it didn't come out of Albany, but all the different, you know, talking heads around the country and podcasts and shows and this and that ranked us number one amongst all indoor football, every league. We were number one two years in a row. And we would have been number one three years in a row if it didn't implode uh, the way it did. Sure. But mm -hmm. the, I'll tell you what, those teams were so stacked with talent um, and so stacked with guys that that truly could play the game the way on another, another level. Uh, now, that's not taking anything away from the IFL. There's some great athletes in the IFL. There's some great football players. But I'm saying on one team to have that kind of pool of talent – so if you notice how I built that team in 21, how I built that team in 22, now look how we're building this team in 24. It's almost like the same model, right? Now, back then you could entice with dollars. We're enticing now with championships. Mm -hmm. So these guys want to play together to win a ring. Right. You know, to help with the money. They just want to play to win the ring. They want to play together. DJ Myers wants to play with Naquan Murray. Naquan Murray wants to play with, you know, uh, Fabian Guerrera. Um, they all want to play with Sam, right? They all want right. that opportunity. Um, same thing's true with our, our linemen and, and running backs and defensive players. They want to play together. They want to be a part of a championship culture. Now, the danger in that is when you build all-star teams, you better make sure you did your character, character check first. Mm. So mm – -hmm. Our character check came in first, like it always does, and they passed the character test. Now we know they can play together. Um, no prima donnas, no me guys, all we guys, um, and and they're already showing it. Um, I'll give you something that nobody knows. I'm not going to give you his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but we had one of our elite, elite, elite players call me up a few days ago and says coach i got a little bit of a problem so what's the problem said the nfl guys invited me to pro day and it's on a report date and i want to talk to you about it and i said look if you have a legitimate shot of making an nfl team i would never stand in your way in a heartbeat but I want you to pray on it tonight and let's talk tomorrow. Now, all night long, I was on the phone. <laughs> I didn't sleep and I'm calling, trying to, you know, make sure I have a plan B, right? But prayed on it, did everything on it. Phone rang about three o'clock next day. He said, I told him to go pound sand. I'm a gunslinger. Wow. wow. Now you think about that. If that yeah. ain't character, that's a guy who signed a contract. Nothing could prohibit him from honoring that contract. And if he wants to share that story down the road, I'll let him do it. But, I mean, you talk about me getting choked up. I got choked up sitting here in this office that somebody would do that for us, for Don, for James, for the organization, for his teammates, because um, it could have changed the outcome of the 2024 season. Yeah. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about character. And I want to kind of, 
uh, transition as well to rules because I've been getting down and dirty with some of the rules okay. uh, in in the league. And one of the things that I've noticed almost immediately is that this league has a very, very tight rein on what they call taunting. In fact, uh, I've watched some videos and heard some things from our head of officiating where he has called things taunting that I do not believe are. And I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty uh, capped guy. Like there's, there's definitely a limit. How do you, as a coach, handle walking into a league where just celebrating in the wrong direction can wind up with a 15 yard penalty? And those hurt. Like I, you well, get the touchdown, whatever, but it still hurts your team. It's still a bank penalty and hurts your team. Right. Think about a couple scenarios. Okay. First of all. Every team I've ever coached would have been kicked off the field by now with these taunting rules. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I, I, you know some of my players I've had, and they would have been thrown out by halftime. Okay? Yes. Um, but we've created that monster in indoor football. Okay. That That's something that came over time. We, we let it go for so, so long that then now when we finally want to be enforcers of it, it's a totally different animal. Um, you know, there's things like when you're on the five yard line and your next opponent is 30 yards away and you stick the ball out to show it to them as you cross, that's taunting. Now, you know, if you, uh, if you give that, if you're a DB and you go, no, 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 that's taunting. Really? Okay. Um, I get it. But then some guys take it too far. Some yeah. guys will sack a quarterback and do the big lay on and the slow walk up up and do all that kind of thing where you're de you're you're really degrading the guy, uh, telling him he's too short and you put your hand right. down like, too short yeah. to guard you you know um, now you're getting personal almost right um, there's there's certain things so I had this conversation with the captains and I said um, the best team I've ever been associated with ever. Um, had a way of taunting without getting flagged. And they said, well, how'd you do that? And I said, every time you score and the ball to the ref, get your guys in a little group, celebrate, and then leave. Hand the ball to the ref and start making your way to the sideline or to extra point. There's nothing worse than, than playing a guy who's done this so many times, there's no need to celebrate. Like, I'm going to do it again in 10 minutes, so I'm good. I'll just hand the ball to the ref. The other one is if you knock someone on their butt, you pancake them or you sack them, stand up and offer them your hand. I can't th think of another way better to taunt than after you smack the guy in the mouth, you offer to pick him up so you can smack him down in a couple more minutes, right? Um, you, you score a touchdown, uh, you run a post and you score a touchdown and it's you and your buddy, the other wide receiver, just do a gentleman's handshake and run off the field. Now, times have changed. These kids are exuberant, right? Um, as long as they're doing it with each other, um, I got no problem with it. But if you know, if you get if you get a silly foul like that, that I think is above and beyond and should be called, you're going to get fined. You're going to get fined. If if you do it enough, um, you're probably not going to be here. And it's not because I don't want you to have fun and celebrate. I, of course I do. I just don't want you to cost us yards. Now, you think right. about a scenario like this. Okay. Give you a scenario. First play of the game. Um, they defer to us. 
Okay, we get the kickoff. We go down and score, but one of our guys does something silly. Just does something silly. And they bring the ball all the way down to the 30, our 30. Then they get another 15. So it doesn't matter that we scored. They're going to score in five seconds anyway. Right. You know? Now, if you're smart and they get the penalty, what am I going to do? I'm an onside kick. What's the worst case scenario? What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. Right. It goes 12 yards. Then I get the 15. Now I got them back. You know, so it works out great. So it affects the football game, right? It, it truly affects the game. And when you think it's a, a harmless foul, it's not harmless. That's a lot of yards. That's a oh, lot yeah. of yards to be given up for something silly, you know. And we we have to fight for every inch, and yet you're willing to give up 15 yards of those inches. Yeah, it's kind of That's silly. Thirty percent of the field. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Jim Murday says if he sees Manas dance, there should be a flag thrown. Just saying. Listen, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think this was humanly possible, but I met Jim Renier last year down in Jacksonville, and I'm in better shape than he is. Okay? So. Oh! Is there a dance-off? Is there a dance-off? And dance I'm 64, okay? Yeah. No, I, hey, I got a dance contest already set up with Zach Brown. That man, God love him. I love Zach. He has no rhythm. None. <laughs> I told him, him and I are doing the dance off in camp. So yeah, you know, so okay. it's gonna be fun. Yeah. So I got another one. I know I know Leo and uh, uh RC have some things they want to talk to you about too, but going on this rules, because again, I've been diving into these rules. Explain to me, coach, and explain to other fans because they're fixing to get inundated with rules on defense that don't make sense. One of the things I love about the outdoor game is that if you decide to blitz 11 people at the quarterback, you can, but you open yourself up for whatever that means on the backside. If you don't get to that quarterback in time, he's going to beat you, and nobody's going to be there to stop it. The indoor game, for whatever reason, puts these rules and limitations on when you can blitz and how you can blitz and whether you can twist and whether you can't, and we're going to have to deal with a lot of that as indoor fans. One of the things that has changed this year is you can blitz. You used to only be able to blitz through the gap between the offensive linemen. Yeah, now yeah. you can. Yeah. Now you can come on the outside as long as you stay with inside what they call the alley, which is uh, you know outside of the feet of the offensive linemen as they set up. It sets up an alley, and as long as you stay in that, so you can go around the side if you want to. Coach, explain to me why it's necessary. I like the the risk of I'm going to blitz more guys than you have to block me, but it's going to leave a guy open, and if you hind him, you're going to kill me. Why right. is it necessary to do all of this in indoor football and well, have all of these extra rules? It's it's inherent that indoor football was designed to be an offensive scoring telethon. Okay, okay? Uh, they wanted scores in the 80s and the 70s and all that, and some new blood came in like coaches like myself that said, Hey, let's hold them to 30. Let's hold them to 28. We're going to win. Right. Um, and so they still want to make it where it's an offensive game. They've always made it very difficult on indoor football teams to play defense. Um, where we get like, you're talking about the rule with the linebackers, as long as if I pinch that defensive end down hard into the a gap, 
my linebacker can blitz the B gap. Right. Um, when that came out about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I threw away half my playbook and redrew it. I love it. Right. That's a yeah. hell of a thing for us. Right. So I, I absolutely love that concept. Um, but the structure of the rules, you know, where you have to shadow a receiver in order to make contact with them. If he's off right. the ball, you know, you, you if he's on the line, you can you can be on top of him and make contact in the five yards. Um, those kinds of things. Um, the 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 linebackers being at five yards until basically the quarterback designates what he's going to do, right? Um, I'll tell you this right now: you can RPO and try to quarterback option us all you want. We're going to hit the quarterback every play. We're going to knock him on his ass every single play. He's going to be on his back and hard. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you get to a mesh point where the quarterback's reading the defensive end, he's looking at the defensive end and he puts the ball in, but keeps it. We're, we're killing him. We're killing him because he's trying to deceive us right at the mesh point. Um, the RPO is the same way. And if that quarterback comes outside that belt, if you will, or that box, the offensive box, and he's outside that tackle, all bets are off. We can all go get them, right? So there's different concepts in how you want to approach teams. Now, you'll play a team on, you know, Monday, we're playing San Diego on April 1st, and maybe they come out and they do 90% pass and 10% run. And then the next week, you might play Tucson, and Tucson's going to come out and they're going to play, or Naz, rather, and they're going to come out and they're going to play 70% run, 30% pass. So it comes down to, do I want to read the play or do I want to just go after the quarterback? And I think a lot of these kids think that the way to do it is just go get the quarterback. And I don't buy into that. I, I, we, we have a mantra that we use on defense, which is read, react, execute. So until I read the play, now I'm getting penetration. Okay, I'm going to be on your side of the ball but I'm reading, I'm long arming you and I'm reading what's going on. Then I react to what you're doing and then I go execute the play, right? It's just when you put your head down and you pin your ears back and you just go, that's when teams get in trouble and they give up big plays. Cause if you get there, it's great. Everyone loves you. If you don't get there, you know, you kind of screwed your defensive backs because now, you know, they're just trying to, they're just trying to play as tight as they can and, you're not giving them much of an opportunity to recover. Um, the other thing is the zone defenses. A lot of these teams play, you know, I learned this early on. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I learned this early on though, in indoor football that even if you're playing zone, the defense turns into man after about a second and a half. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no – the field's not big enough to play a true zone where you'd stay in the zone the entire play. So, you know, we call it fly paper. You're in your zone. Guy's right there. He becomes your guy, and, and you got to act accordingly. So um, – but they hate defense in this league, in indoor football, and in AFL football, and whatever league you're in. They hate defense. They want quarterbacks to score – wide receivers to throw the ball in the crowd, you know, that's what they want. And that's cool. Right? I mean, cause if you have a good defense, you can cut through this thing like a hot knife through butter. You right. can run the party. 
Texas Pete says Nate Davis is not a running quarterback. He's an awesome passer, but my old dog can hobble faster than him. That is a rarity in the IFL. For those of you coming from the NAL side of things where everything seemed to be pass, um, I've noticed in the last few weeks as I've been watching more and more IFL football that almost every quarterback at this level is a dual threat. They're, they have no problem pulling the ball down and burning you for 15 yards. <clears throat> Can't um, run from your back. <laughs> there you go. That's the truth. Right. So, so so look what Bosa did in the Super Bowl for three and a half quarters. He contained him from getting outside, right? <clears throat> no, other guys didn't pull their weight, and you know, the Achilles injury killed him. You yeah. Know, yeah. Because <clears throat> he could have chased him down once Bosa pushed him back in. So if you can control the quarterback, you control the head of the snake, right? So mm -hmm. take away if you have good DBs, you take away the passing option. If you take away his run escape route, then you you take away that option, and then you know of course then he has to be very very creative. Now you're right, there's some tremendous running quarterbacks in this league, right? That's why we have tremendous defenses in this on our team, defensive people on our team is we feel like there's very few quarterbacks, if any, in this league. They can outrun some of our defensive players. We just don't see it happening. And and you know, <clears throat> speed kills every day. Yep, every day. And then you had you know, <clears throat> you had a good scheme to it. Yeah, it it, it takes away a lot of options. <clears throat> so again, you can run, can't hide. We're gonna find you. Field's not that big. Sure. Mm -hmm. sure. Coach, you you already touched a little bit on on your relationship with your players and and how you approach you know uh, uh, rules and 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 um, uh, you said don't call you know don't confuse punishment with um, no discipline uh, with discipline punishment. with punishment. I, I got a I got a question for you, hypothetical. Let's okay. say you have a player on your team. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe he starts dating a, a, a very famous pop star <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and let's say on the sideline of a game, he gets caught on camera coming in into your face, getting into your face and even bumping you a little bit, um, in anger. How, how, how would you, how would you approach it? How would you, uh, handle that player? Uh, one, I had to put hands on him. Two is I had to cut him. <laughs> and I don't care who he is because there's when you lose and I mean this sincerely Andy Reid is probably one of the most congenial people that you'll ever want to meet he's kind he's kind he's caring he's a player's coach to do that so disrespectfully what and I and listen to me. I, I'll say I said this publicly. I'm really happy for Kelsey and Swift, and they look like they're truly in love. I mean, they they really do like the, they're happy, right? God bless yeah. them. You know, I'm thinking, yeah. you know, Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe, and I'm thinking, mm -hmm. wow, this is a right. love story, and wow, this is pretty cool. And but what it showed me was, he's a me guy. Mm -hmm. The reason he's not out there on every place because he can't block. That's why they pull him off on third down. 
and run plays. Okay. If you want to be a me guy, learn how to block. Right. That's one. Two is I don't care what the circumstance that early in the game, that's a halftime thing. You do it in the locker room and you go up to coach Reed and say, Hey man, I, I can score. I can get open. I can do this. I can do that. And, and you go ahead and do that. But to embarrass not only Andy, who did it, you know, shrugged it off like a true gentleman at his press conference. Right. Um, but I got to believe at the end of the day, that really pissed him off. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know it would piss me off. And, now, you know. Now, Coach, I, I got to tell you, I stood next to you before we ever knew each other. We had never spoke a word to each other. I stood next to you in the Freeman Coliseum watched you coach Albany and was legitimately worried about your health that you, you were so upset with some <laughs> AAF uh, with some, with some uh, NAL referees. Um, throughout that first game. God almighty. Those guys were clowns. Let me tell you what. <laughs> that was the worst. Hey, I'm not kidding you. I'm on, I'm I, in the NAL. I was me and coach Gibson were the only two guys on the rules and uh, rules committee, right? Sure. So conduct and rules committee. Kind of shocking with what he did with the ball, but you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> hey. So, but, but we knew the rules emphatically. That's why the league and the owners voted us as the two guys to do that. Okay. I literally went up to the head official and I go, you're so wrong. I said, do you understand? You're wrong. I said, that's not a rule that the Jack can only stay here. The Jack can go from this wall to this wall, as long as he stays in the five yards. I said, you you don't know your rules. And he said, no, you're wrong. And so the whole first half, he gave up like I remember this. He gave up like three touchdowns with this baloney, right? So I made him call Siegfried. And then he talked to Siegfried, and I'm thinking, oh, it's all fixed. And he still screwed it up on multiple occasions, but he came out at halftime and goes, yeah, you were right, sorry. I said, listen. Do you understand that this is how coaches get fired? This is how we lose careers because of you guys. Now, if I'm a bad coach, just fire me. But if you're making it so I can't win because you don't understand the rules, I got a real problem with that. I got a real problem with that. Yeah, I broke our headsets that day. I I am. I'm not kidding. I was standing right there. You probably don't remember me. I wouldn't remember me either. But I was standing right there between the teams in that open area of the uh, the end zone. And I'm watching you through that particular um, uh, moment that you were talking about, uh, where you told him he was wrong. I heard you. I think everybody in the Freeman Coliseum heard you. Um, and I was legitimate, like you were worked up, and I was legitimately worried about your health in that moment. Um, you understand getting passionate about what you're doing. So something like Travis Kelsey uh, I think you're right, by the way. You don't go and and waylay your coach in the middle of him. He's coaching. He's doing something else. He's got another part of this game on his mind. That's not the time or place for it. But you do understand, I'm sure, Coach, the passion that, and where that comes from, don't you? Yeah, lack of discipline. That's where it comes from. Because you want right. to see I, – I could even let that sideline thing crap go. Did you see the, the trophy ceremony? No, well, I turned I it off. Oh, I turned as it off. As, as yeah. soon as they scored, I turned it off. All right. So I encourage you guys go to the stage. They interviewed Andy, 
Then they interviewed Mahomes. Then they interviewed Kelsey. Kelsey made such an ass out of himself that they were showing Swift. And she's like, oh, God. You know, he was screaming. He was singing. It, he wanted to be, it's about me. It's about how loud and obnoxious can I be? And that's when I kind of just said, okay, I'm washing my hands with this dude. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Because I don't know what happened to him between last year and this year. And I'm sure it has something to do with the skirt. But the way he behaved was just <laughs> so poor all the way around. And um, I just don't know, you know, and this is where coaches have a problem. Great football player. Mm -hmm. Great football player. But, I mean, how much is that great football player worth? I can tell you stories in the last four years where we've had great football players and I've had their coordinators come up to me and say, please cut them. Being as close to the gunslingers, and I'm not going to use any of their names because we love our players and we've loved a lot of our players, but there have been guys that we three have had internal conversations where we're like, gosh, I love him. But he's an a-hole. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. They're, there have I, been those guys. I, I love what Lou Holt said. They said, how do you motivate the unmotivated? You cut them. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Done. I mean, there's thousands of football players sitting at home right now that call me. I, I get literally 100 a month that will call me and say, Coach, I want to come play for you. I want to come play for you. And they're good enough to play for us but don't have jobs and are sitting at the couch or working at UPS or working at FedEx or working at Amazon. And I tell these guys all the time, don't get too comfortable here. Because especially with everything we're giving you. Right. The expectation is very, very high. If you don't reach the expectation Someone will gladly come in. And I'm not talking about you had a bad practice. I'm not talking about you had a bad game. Hell, man, I had more bad games than anybody. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if your character starts creeping out that mm -hmm. isn't what you said it was or put out there, um, there's no reason to keep you around because uh, just like a cancer cell, one cancer cell can kill a person. And it can kill a football team. One guy in the locker room. That's why I always pick captains. So um, when I signed DJ, I signed him as a captain. Okay. When I signed Sam Cashnova, I signed him as a captain. When I signed Cornelius Lewis, I signed him as a captain. Now, those three guys at the end of camp will get the opportunity to pick the fourth captain. I'll have no say in it. I let them pick it. That's how much I respect their leadership. Okay. So... Those guys will handle everything up to 30,000 feet. We have that 30,000 foot rule, right? So player comes, he gets into a scuffle on the field during drills. That's a 10,000 foot thing. Coach, position coach will handle it. Player comes in, dozes off in film meeting. Okay, that's a coordinator thing. That's 20,000 feet. Player, no shows for practice, no call. That's a 30,000-foot thing. That comes to me. You don't want to get 30,000-foot things because there's either one or two things that are going to happen. You're either going to get that second chance or you're gone. And if you don't have the right explanation, probably you're gone. And But if you know that going in, then you really don't have an excuse. Uh, listen, I didn't have 
the most historic playing career by any means. I've been blessed. I got an opportunity to go as far as I did. But <clears throat> when I started playing when I was five years old, and I quit while I'm still in football, so I'll be 64 this April, okay? I've never missed a practice, and I've never been late for a meeting in all those years. So can you imagine a guy coming up to me and giving me an excuse for being late? How I'm going to respond? I've done it for over 50 yeah. years. You, you've been on the earth a minute, and you're already developing bad habits. So... Um, the expectation is very high that you have to have all, take care of the little things. Big things are easy. Take care of the little things, you know, and uh, a lot of people don't want to do the little things. They think it's too time consuming. They think it's effort, too much effort. They think it's, you know, those little things win championships. Yep. Is your shirt tucked in? Right. You know what I'm saying about players, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> did, did you know, did you, did you, you know, did you mean to take the extra towel home for your car ride from the practice facility? Right. You know mm -hmm. what they call that? They call that stealing. But no one ever calls guys out like that because they don't think it's big enough. But yet it is big enough. Because you had those little things and they're big things at the end of the day, you know? Yep. There's some guys think that their name is big enough that they can get away with, with those types of little things. It's, I can it's tell you, there's, yeah. there's nobody in the NFL who's an MVP that's bigger than doing the right or wrong thing. There's nobody. Mm -hmm. There's nobody on the planet that's – there was one guy. That's it. And other than that, everyone else falls short. So why in the world would you keep – letting people do things that and that you want to know how we got woke that's how we got woke <laughs> so i'm looking at the schedule here coach and i gotta talk to you i gotta find out because you connect with the league i i talk to the commissioner uh, but i don't have a connection with the league well like you do why do they not like you you play you start your season <laughs> on a monday night at eight o'clock our time six o'clock their time in california you play the san diego strike force you take a day to travel because that's usually what you do is block out a day on your schedule. So the second is gone. Three days of practice, maybe. Two. Two. two and and then you're taking on the Northern Arizona Wranglers here in Freeman Coliseum for the home opener. Who exactly at the IFL have you already ticked off that well, gave you this schedule? Think about this. First of all, we played five games in April. Now, what you didn't talk about is then the following week, we play on Thursday. You do? Right. Right. Yep. No, I'm sorry. No, you play on Friday, and then you play on Thursday. Oh, yeah. It's Friday their steps down. down. Yeah. So someone asked me, they said, what do you think of the schedule? And I said, I love it. Because what possible excuse can you have when we're 5-0 and oh on Coming out May of the first, first month of the – yeah. With that schedule – and, you know, we just say, yeah, right here, buddy. Okay. Because they don't want us. Listen, they don't want a team to come from. They wanted us in this league badly. Sure. But, yeah. But they don't want us in this league that badly. Like where we went. Right. So, hey, I got, we, we've got flights. We, we do this two week away game thing. Right. So mm -hmm. we're beat up. We're going to be sore. We're going to be tired. And then we got to go to mass. So we go to Mass and we have a game. Then we got to fly home. And then right after that, we got to fly to Arizona again. 
So we have probably a combined eight, 10 hours of flights in less than 10 days, less than seven days, right? So eight days. Um, it's those kinds of things that you got to just say, embrace them, embrace the suck and just say, love it, bring it. If, you, yep. if that's how you think you're going to beat us, you are so wrong because we are way stronger than you are mentally and physically that, that we can handle that. And the group we put together, um, we kind of find it laughable that they think that's going to work. Yeah. Players can actually bond in those types of situations where, where they're facing, uh, you know, hardships like that. I mean, isn't that true? Leo, you're going to love this, right? So my buddy, uh, I had a friend that worked at the Toronto Sun. Uh, he used to cover me when I was uh, with the Argonauts. And uh, he used to say that um, no one ever writes a story about something good. You know, they don't ever say, hey, plane lands safely at Toronto Airport. They always make it where as the plane was landing, the tire started to deflate. No, it didn't. It just the compression of the the the, the weight of it, you know. And yet, and somehow miraculously, they were able to stop and make their turn and this and that. So I always tell the guys, these make the best stories when you're old. Adversity mm-hmm. makes the best stories, you know, because I mean that's a story, you know. Yeah. Hey, we had two week layoff, and then we flew first class, and then we did this, and we ate, you know, we. We ate caviar and drank uh, cocktails all the way to our next game. No, we were in a Southwest flight that was crowded and our big guys were in the middle seat and this and that. Coolest story ever was when we came here. Um, we came here and it was it was like, I can't tell you how much I hated coming here. Because like, I really hated coming here because before the Racklers got involved, it was it was really tough. It was really, really tough to come here. Um, so we ended up having a flight. We were flying out on a Friday and the flight was scheduled to leave at four o'clock and we were going to fly out of Newark, I think, or no, we were flying out of, um, LaGuardia and bus got there at like two o'clock and oh, on the way, a brand new bus broke down on the highway, a brand new bus. It was about a hundred degrees, no air conditioning, couldn't turn on the thing. And we sat by the highway for an hour and a half, two hours. Um, then we get to the airport just in time, get through an hour and a half of security, get to our gate and they postponed our flight and a big storm rolled in. And then they had us scheduled to leave at seven. And then they had us scheduled to leave at nine. Then they had us scheduled to leave at 11. Then we left at 12 o'clock and we arrived in San Antonio, I think around four thirty-five o'clock in the morning. And then we, we were going down to baggage. We were obviously the only people in the airport, right? And I hear Nick Hag start singing as loud as he could in the airport. You know, something like, we're coming to whoop your ass. We're coming to whoop your ass. Da, 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 da. And we got all these people following us, and it was crazy. And we're, we're going down these quarters. And these guys bonded like you wouldn't believe through all that adversity. Get to the hotel. Hotel was horrible. Um Check in. Oh, by the way, we changed your game time because something's going on at this other arena. You're now going to play like at 1130 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up having pregame meal was breakfast at Golden Corral because everything got screwed up. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And then we had wow. breakfast. We had breakfast and then we showed up for the game and we did all that. And yet, you know, 
you're right. Adversity is going to come at this level. So what I always tell the guys, is, I'm going to give you an NFL experience. We may not have the budget, but you're going to get the experience. So we really, really, really take to heart travel, food, lodging, all those things. So, yeah, you may not get a, you know, $100,000 check after the game. But what you're going to get is you're going to get treated like a professional football player. And that's what I want for him. So. so, Coach, you know, we all we all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. So as a coach, what would you say is your strength and what would you say is your weakness? Um, I think my greatest strength is my leadership. I, get, I have a tendency to have people want to follow my lead on things and support my initiative. Um, I think my weakness is sometimes I confuse sympathy with empathy. And I would rather be empathetic to a person, which is, you know, the philosophy of don't give a hand out, give a hand up. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's pretty much sometimes I get over emotional and I do too much for people and that comes back and bites me. And um, because I try to be sympathetic of their situation rather than just help them get out of it rather than just fix it for them. And I got to I got to be better at that. Well, I know some people take advantage and they see kindness as a weakness. So, yeah. you know, I think that's also true. That affects a lot of people. Yeah. And, and you know, I've I've had players. Uh, it's funny because I have players that have families that get caught in a financial situation, let's say. And you, I, I, they won't come to me, but I'll see it on their face because we're close. And I'll say, are you OK? Coach, I don't know what I'm going to do. I got to this. I got to that. And I said, here, let me just give you some money. I'll loan you some money. And or I'll just give you some money and you take care of what you need to take care of. God's been good to me. Let me help you. I want to do this. Sure enough, that guy came into my office the next payday and he, he said, here, coach, I got your money for you. I said, I said, I gave it to you. I didn't loan it to you. Right. Because if you give it back to me, you're going to be in the same hole two weeks from now. Right. So it's those kinds of things. And that that story there probably goes to every coach in the league is probably helped the player out at sure. this level. You know, so I'm not saying it's something unique that I do. I think it's something that all these coaches do. They they really, truly care about their kids and they want them to not struggle while being here. Yeah, this is a hard gig, man. You're, you're away from your family. First day of camp, here's exactly what I'm going to tell the players and the coaches. If you aren't working football every day you're here and it's 100% of your focus, then you're cheating on your family. Because I promise you, your wife is cutting the grass, doing the groceries, taking care of the kids, doing all the stuff that you could do, and she's doing it on her own. So you're cheating on her. If you decide you want to go out and just get drunk or you decide you want to go lay on the couch and watch reruns all day on your day off, it's on you. You're cheating on your family. The same thing is true with the coaches or the players. If you have a loved one at home and you think this is a vacation where you can act the fool, and fornicate and and do all those other things, you're wrong. I'll cut your ass. And when they say, why'd you get cut? I'm gonna say, because you cheat on your family. Now, I hold that same code of conduct to me. And I tell my players on the first day, if you ever see me behaving like that, here's Don Reckless phone number, call him. Because I'm gonna lead you by example. And if you're not working on your craft, 
if you're not staying true to your family, then something's wrong. You don't deserve it. I can't tell you at this level how many coaches get fired for just being idiots. They just decide, hey, I'm, this is like a little mini guy's vacation. You know, I get to be one of the guys. I can drink and do all this and do all that. You will never. I told Don Reckler this the other day. I said, you will never see me after a game. I said, I'll do the interviews. I'll do that. I'm going home. I'm watching film, getting ready for the next week. If you ever see me out drinking, fire my ass. I said, I should never be drinking with the players. I should never be hanging out with them. I should never be hanging out with coaches at some bar and just buying them liquor until they can't think straight. If, if you ever see that, let me know. Because, again, one, I'm cheating on Miss Susan by doing that. And two is uh, I'm not giving you your day's work that I promised you. I'm not giving that to you. And I think he really respected the fact of that. Now, we make it to Vegas. I'll be on top of the sphere. Probably, <laughs> probably buck naked. Yes. <laughs> now, coach, because the schedule, because the seasons are going to run concurrent, I realize you're not going to be able to pay a whole lot of attention. But we don't just cover the gunslingers. We're going to cover the Brahmas of the UFL. Um, are you going to take an opportunity at some point if you have a, if we have a game lineup behind you guys on a, on the schedule where it's on your off day? Would you actually go over to the Alamo Dome and and take in a a Brahma's game and and be interested in football fans that are uh, maybe not aware of the gunslingers yet. Try to try to. Yeah, I wouldn't take that in. Yeah, I it, I probably wouldn't go and even wear gunslingers gear. I'd probably just go as a fan. Um, yeah. that's their show that day, right? And yeah. um, I'm a big fan of Wade Phillips. Uh, I know some people may not be. Um, his tenure as a head coach, I guess, is questionable as a head coach. But I'll tell you what, he is one of the greatest defensive minds in the history in the 3-4 yeah, defense. That, no doubt. And he taught one, me – I've won championships in his 3-4 defense. And I actually got on this thing one time. It was a some, you know, one of these things, if you want to hear Wade Phillips talk and da 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 da, da right. you know. And I got on it, and the thing ended, and I kept asking him questions. He said, well – let's just go to a private chat. And we ended up in private chat for like three hours. And he, he was helping me with three, four defense at the time. And that, that's when I was in college and uh, coaching college ball. And we just, we decimated people with this three, four. Um, he's just, he, he's a good guy. He's got the pedigree, you know, um, he's pretty easy going. I, I think these guys, it's just the thing that ticks me off. God love him. But, you know, what is he like 75, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Right. And and you look at some of these guys in their their mid to late seventies that get these USFL and UFL and uh XFL jobs. And I get what the league's trying to do is give name recognition, but do you know how many good coaches that would be a great de developmental league for? You know, get the coach that's an OC that's never been a head coach and let him cut his, you know, leather on that, you know, job. I think I think ultimately if they could get one of these spring leads to sustain that that will end up becoming what happens with it right now. It's just about, we need names mm -hmm. because we need to sell to fans that they okay, want to come see we, Wade uh, Phillips. And, well, and how does that work out for you? It doesn't, I'm not saying it's the right strategy. I'm just saying that's the strategy. I had a guy who is very, very smart football guy. And he said to me, he goes, you know, that wasn't a merger. That was a bankruptcy. 
he goes, you know, they lost $122 million last year. He said, and then you pull four teams here, four teams there, and you try to make it work another year. Man, if you lose $120 million and you're on Fox and you're on all these TV stations, what did we learn? We learned that TV contracts are not necessarily this be-all, save-all of football. What's the be-all, save-all of football is, you know, yeah, a Wade Phillips winning a championship in San Antonio would be huge, right? But what does that do for the other seven teams? It doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I think I think because, all right, we're a boutique market. Like, you, you know, we're, I don't know. We're the fruity water. We're not just regular water. We're something different. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you watch, you just get done with the NFL yesterday. And then what in a month you're watching pretty much the same game with guys that didn't make it to the NFL. But isn't there room for a <laughs> developmental league? Look, one of my favorite things to do is oh, to go on, to minor league baseball games. Philip, the developmental league for the NFL is called the NCAA. Don't you think that there are guys that come out of the NCAA, that come out of college football, wind up in the NFL for whatever reason, an injury, just not the right fit, don't make it there, that really do have the talent to be on the pro level? Oh, sure. There's guys right now sitting at home that are on the couch that are better than probably 70% of guys in the NFL. Mm -hmm. NFL is not based on talent. NFL is based on opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm. Did Mm -hmm. I get an opportunity to show what I can do? Did I get an opportunity to have my coach refer me right? Did I have a good pro day, which is a track meet, which means nothing, right? Did, Did I... You know, did I get enough starts in my senior year to merit a workout on a pro day? Did, you know, all those things come in the factor. It's the thing that's so crazy about it is I think there's an opportunity to have. I would rather see rather than a developmental league, I would rather see a half a dozen national combines throughout the United States run by the NFL. And not the combines we have here. I'm talking about the practice days at the Senior Bowl, how those used to be. More guys got signed draft choice, bumped up in the draft choice during passing drills, okay, at the Senior Bowl. That's how Eric Fisher went from a number three to a number one at left tackle was what he did at. As soon as he had a great practice, they all went, oh, damn. And he never did anything after that. He said, I'm not going to combine it. You see what I can do physically. I think that you could do physicality combines where you could show that, which could be kind of construed as games. All right. Now, if you want to truly develop a guy, um, I don't know how you develop a guy in that way. I just don't know how you do it. And if it could work, don't you think we it have worked by now? I mean, it's been 100 years. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> – I mean, it's just – they pour so much money into the NCAA. They put pour so much money in the scouting. They pour so much money into the analytics of things that I just don't know if it's for profit. I mean, you think about it. Do you honest to God think 
and God bless them. I'm not, I, again, I'm just my opinion. Okay. This is why I don't want coach of the year. Right. Okay. Sure. So just my opinion is that you, do you honestly think the rock started the XFL because he's worried about Johnny not getting his chance in the NFL? Or do you think it, he saw it as a profit center, potential profit center, and maybe a little upcoming since he got cut in for Calgary when he tried out, you know, do you think it's that, or do you think it's the old spring league when he left the spring league and he left all that debt and everything in the $20 million lawsuits and everything else? Do you think he did this so he could help young men achieve their goals? Or do you think he saw it as a profit center? And I can tell you, I've got guys on my team that played in that league last year that will sure. tell you horror stories, horror stories. And it's not the same stories you've shared, Leo, with your audience regarding some smaller tier teams. They had those same issues in those teams. They, they've had the same. They just are really good at not letting it get public. And, you know, you got coaches there. Some are there because they're on their last leg. Some are there because they just want to get back in the NFL. They just want to get back in the NFL, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, the honest answer is I don't know. I've I've had offers um, to go in those leagues over the last couple of years, and you know, it just doesn't seem like the grass is really that green over there. It, it just doesn't. I I truly think, and there's got, I'm going to put a big caveat on this that you're going to go see. That's exactly what I'm saying. If it were done correctly, mm -hmm. which is the caveat I'm going to put on it, and I don't think it has been done correctly yet. If it were done correctly. I think it makes professional football on the highest level better because you get stories like Sam Mills. You get stories like Kurt Warner. Those, those, those two guys are hall of famers that did not have an opportunity. Um, what about the guys that had an opportunity? opportunity? What about Steve Young, Steve Young, Herschel Walker, Jim Kelly, sure. me. No, no, I'm just no, those, All those, those guys. three guys. Those three guys, though, were going to be NFL players. Like, they went to the USFL, but they were going to be in the NFL. Sam Mills, though, he got cut. He was done. It was right. over. And then he wound up with uh, Jim Mora there in the USFL. Kurt Warner was sacking groceries and wound up in the Arena Football League with the Iowa Barnstormers, a team that we're going to see at some point in the IFL here. And he ended up being a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, I, I want to see more of those stories. And I think if they did a spring league correctly, which is the caveat I'll put on all of this, I think it makes the game better um, because now, we, do, we that, will catch more of those guys. That being said, the reason, well, the, the other guys, you know, the Steve Youngs and all them is because we got more money than the NFL was paying at the time. Right. Okay. Yes. But talk about the guys that were like the Kurt Warners and all those guys. Those guys wouldn't slip through anymore because scouting's gotten better hmm. and analytics got better from coming out of college. They they really have. I mean, they can come on. I mean, look at Belichick. God love him. You know, he he gets an offensive lineman, never played football, but the guy was a wrestler and he ends up being an all pro guard. I mean, you know, one of the okay, here, I'll give you one. So Tom, who's the head of officials, yes, sends me clips all the time. Right. And he says, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Not just me, everybody. Right. 
So DJ Myers called the other day. Coach, what are you doing? I go, I'm scouting officials. Mm -hmm. I want to see who's good and who's bad. And I want to see so when I know who comes on and they're doing our game, if this guy likes to call holding or this guy likes to call this. And I learned that from Belichick, just one of his interviews, how he used to say he scouted refs. And that's Mm -hmm. how he won a Super Bowl with a holding call on Fisher, actually. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's those kinds of things that when you watch them, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing everything. Well, we weren't talking about that 20 years ago, you know, we were still, people were still smoking cigarettes in stadiums. I mean, that was times have changed, you know, and I think the analytics have gotten better. I think that everybody is making a clear and conscious effort to not let one slip through you know, the crack, but do they? Yes. I just think that people are kind of, okay, I'm, I just watched the NFL. Now I'm watching the guys that didn't make the NFL. And you could say the same thing about our league, but our league's not trying to be. Right. Right. And I think we've got guys on our football team. I would bet you will see us lose two guys during the season to move up but if they come to me and say hey i got an opportunity i can go to the ufl i said you don't want to go there i'd tell them straight up if you if you're not going to a pro nfl workout just stay where you're at you're going to get better film here you really will because hmm. it's it's one-on-one film for three hours every game right. you know i can see if you're a good db by being able to do what we do well to see you on a big field you know. And T and I know Tina's on with us, and we had DJ on a couple of weeks ago. DJ mm-hmm. is a guy that went and played in the USFL last year, but he was on the bottom of that depth chart for whatever reason. There in Memphis with the Showboats, never got a whole lot of film. He's going to come here in San Antonio. He's going to get plenty of film that he can send off to pro teams that he can send off to the NFL if they want it. Um, they can see what he can do on a field. And he just didn't get that opportunity with the USFL. I told when that happened, I had talked to DJ and I said, first of all, tell me about your experience. And I just listened and he, he talked for about a half hour, 45 minutes about it. I said, okay, here's what I can promise you here. I can't promise you an NFL contract. I can't promise you. First of all, I'm not a developmental league. I'm here to win championships in San Antonio. I'm not here to get you to the next level. If you get yourself to the next level, I give you the opportunity to do that. But my job is to win championships here. So I want everyone to stay if they would. Right. That's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Difference. Right. So they, they come in knowing the expectation again, which is win a championship here. So I finally, you know, and DJ is such a good man. He's, he's just a generally good man. Well, his interview with you guys was fantastic. And awesome. he, he loved it. Absolutely loved it. I mean, that's the kind of guy he is all the time. That's not an act, right? So we're we're talking, and I said to him, I said, let me give you another case scenario. You're never going to go to the NFL. You you just went through that XFL thing or whatever it was. I said, and you didn't have a good experience. How about becoming the absolute best indoor football player that ever played and just working your butt off here? And then when you're ready to transition into coaching, I give you your first job. And then I can help you with that. And then you have a life in football far beyond 
a one year someplace or going to a mini camp or making a practice squad? Which scenario sounds better to you? And he's got a beautiful fiance. She's a nurse and, you know, his mom's great and the family's fantastic. And I said, couldn't you cultivate that into a nice life? I said, that's what I did. I cultivated it into a nice life. When you quit looking at what ifs and you start looking at what haves, I think you're going to be much happier. And I think that's the biggest expectation when I talk to kids is they come in, oh, coach, I'm coming. You know, if a, if a player says this to me during recruiting, yeah, I just want to get good film. I just go, okay, take care. Have a good day. Click. You know, I want to hear, I'm here to win the championship. I'm here to be a part of the organization. I'm here to be a part of the family, part of the community uh, and everything. And when they say that, I think they got a better chance of moving up by not putting it out there the other way. Um because, hey, I'll tell you what, when the USFL came out back, the director of player personnel stole, tried to steal more of my players in Albany than you can shake a stick at. And he used to say to me, well, just throw out their contract and send them to me. I'm like, are you nuts? What, what are you talking about? You know, what? that's not going to happen. If they leave, they leave under their own version. I'm not going to just give you, I call it lazy recruiting. Mm -hmm. They go through all these rosters, they pick the best of the best, and that's how they recruit. And then they start watching film on them. Do what I, we have to do. Go ground, you know, boots on the ground. Have to dig in and, and research a kid and talk to him and do research on his college career and all that other stuff. Like I said earlier on, guys, people don't want to put in that work. They just want to, you know, here you go. So, Leo, what you got for coach? Uh, you put me on the spot here into this conversation. Um, I, I think that's a, I think it's a very interesting, uh, take with a lot of, uh, insightful, uh, a very insightful perspective on the whole spring league and, and the XFL, you know, USFL now UFL, um, and, and, and what, what year, place Lee? that has, sorry. What's it going to be next year? What initials are they going to come up with next year? Yeah, you know, and, uh, in, in in my opinion, I mean, we we, I, I think you're right. We have not seen a successful uh, spring football league. I mean, we've seen you talked about the horror stories we touched on earlier. We've seen we've heard horror stories about the original USFL. We definitely witnessed some horror stories in the AAF. Um, uh, you know, yes, uh, the XFL was. Um, you know, iteration uh, 1.0 was more of a of a, uh, a entertainment gimmick, gimmick, gimmick than 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 an actual football league. 2.0 seemed to have a little bit of legs, and then you know the COVID thing happened. COVID hurt it. Yeah, um, yeah that uh, really was the undoing there. And then we had 3.0 last year, which uh, got off to a little bit of a rough start. You know, the business side wasn't the best uh, things on the field. And, and a lot of that, we talked about that last year, uh, Philip and, and RC, exactly what coach uh, Manas mentioned, where we wondered sometimes um, with coach Ward, whether his approach was more, am I develop? Is he developing these guys? Um, and, you know, because he said his ultimate goal was to get those guys contracts to the NFL over winning football games and, you know, we talked about how fickle the San Antonio fan base is and how winning means everything here in San Antonio and, and really is what gets the attention. And sometimes we weren't sure that that was uh, the top overall goal for uh, the 
you know, Coach Hines Ward in the in the Brahmas last year. Um, so definitely some interesting, interesting perspectives there. I do, I will say we've seen it work for certain players, but it's been few and far between, not a lot of players because NFL is absolutely a league of opportunity and, and you have to have that light shine on you at the right time, um, at the right moment with the right set of eyes watching to really get that shot. We, we haven't seen it work for guys like, uh, like Scott Daly, who we had mm-hmm. as an interview, is a long snapper for the San Antonio Commanders and is now the long snapper. He was in IR uh, towards the second part of the year, but he took a very long-standing uh, uh, long snapper for the Detroit Lions and beat him out for the position and took that job. Um, you know, and you see guys like, uh, oh, what's the kicker in Atlanta, uh, Koo. Who yeah. as well got, yeah, got his and now and now he's yeah he, now he's a staple in that on that Atlanta uh, roster as a you know Pro Bowl caliber kicker. So you you have seen it work for some players here and there in spots, but few and far between. You see guys shine at that level and then go up to uh, you know an NFL roster, get an invite to a camp, and then they're they're simply you know, an, an afterthought. I mean, someone like Jack West Patrick, who we thought was really right, great right. for the Brahmas last year and goes up to Denver and, and hardly gets a look in the preseason before he's released and bounces yeah. around a little bit. So uh, there's a lot to what, what, I mean, some people are going to be upset because we have, you know, hardcore Brahma fans that are loyal to the, to the team and, the, and, and, and that organization and those players. Uh, but, yeah, I think the jury's the jury's still are, the, and there's uh, it's it's really interesting this this point of view. Something we haven't really delved into too much on this show in the past. Um, but but so here's the thing: let, let me be clear on something. First of all, I, I'm totally supportive of uh, you know everything that the Brahmas are going to do this year. I'm totally supportive of that. I'm totally supportive of San Antonio professional football in general. I saw a comment someone made, hey, that's not true for me after the NFL. I can't wait to see my Brahmas. Yeah, I get it. Okay, mm-hmm. you're one of 30,000 people. Right. Okay. All right. Now, if 30,000 of you feel that way, pack the Alamo Dome, support this football team, and God bless you, right? But don't yep. just say I am and then don't do anything about it, right? Right. Because 100 every- yeah, everything's driven by attendance in this right. league, in that league. It's not driven by TV coverage. It's driven by attendance yeah. to show that, you know, the whole thing is is working. That being said, I, I am 100% supportive of any football. And let me be clear. I've said this multiple times. IFL, AFL, NAL, CFL, UFL, NFL. Because of the opportunity, it's more opportunities for players and coaches to continue on, right? I got players that played for me that are playing in Japan right now that are making as much money as a guy starting in the CFL and loving life and enjoying themselves. David Pindell, quarterback. He's like a god over there in Japan, right, playing quarterback. Um, you got guys playing in Mexico. You got guys starting to play. They're doing initiatives, and Germany's killing it in professional American football. Again, opportunities. God bless them. But think about this. The 53rd guy 
on an NFL roster is great. Mm -hmm. And if you have an expectation of coming in and thinking you're going to be a starter in the NFL because you played in a developmental league, God bless you if you can do it. You're a special talent. Mm-hmm. Those happen once in a great, great while. Yep. In that process of being one of those guys to get that one great, great opportunity, you would not believe the amount of damage that's done to these kids between that point and that point. Not only loss of family, loss of relationships, loss of money, loss for delusional expectation. I'm not talking about the special guy. I'm not talking about the Mills or I'm not talking about the Warners. I'm not talking about those are generational talents. You could only mention what at most a half a dozen out of the last 30 years that that had such a significant role where they're actually on a tops football card and it matters. Right. Mm -hmm. Those things. I just, I don't want to see guys give up a life to chase something where they could still have that same life here. They could have the, you could, you could be an icon in San Antonio. If we accomplish what we're setting out to accomplish, you can have just as much fanfare as you could. If you were playing for the Brahmas, you get the Brahma guy can have just as much fanfare as the guy with the Cowboys. If he brands himself, right. Does the community things right. Does all that. Now outside of San Antonio, maybe you're not a big name, but maybe in San Antonio, you are. And doesn't isn't that what really matters at the end of the day for you and your family, right? I don't know. It's just my opinion. Well, and I've never understood, and we've seen for 30 years, we've seen the guys that uh, play in Major League Baseball that are uh, the guy in their market, whether that's Colorado or St. Louis or Texas, or and and they they come to free agency and they go sign and become another guy. In right. Boston, in New York, right? Why? Why not just stay in Colorado and be, you know, the, the next Todd Hilton and be a name and be an be? Yep. You can make the you can make the Hall of Fame if you stay in Colorado and you're Todd Hilton. There you go. You can. You're, 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 there you go. You hit it right on the head. There, Philip. The, the bottom line is, we're innate people that have such prideful things that we always want to be, we always want bigger, better, shinier, newer. We always want For that. Sure. So sure. I walk in my house, I'm 15 years old and my dad's sitting at the kitchen table and he's got that, you know, the olive green phone that you had in your kitchen with the hundred foot cord. Okay. Yeah. You guys remember those? Okay. Of course. Yep. And he's sitting there and he's, no, I wasn't 15. I'll take that back. I was actually like 22 because I was playing for the Lions at the time. And I walked in. I said, hey, Pop, how you doing? He goes, I'm just trying to fix this phone. I said, Dad, they're like $10 at the hardware store. You can get, or at the shop, you can get a phone for 10 bucks. And he goes, see, you see it as a phone. I see it when you had your first date. I see it when you got a call from the Lions. I see it when you your mom would call me with good news. I see it as that. You guys want to just always get something bigger and better and brighter. He said, this phone is way more than a phone. And that always stuck with me because when I start making decisions, one of the things I told Susan was, I'll never make a decision just based on money. And I'll never 
make a decision just based on my circumstance. It has to encompass all of our circumstance, all the kids, you, me, everybody. And I think when guys chase a football dream, they forget about a lot of people until they make it. And then all of a sudden, I bought my mom a house and I did this and I, you know, did that. Yeah. What did you do if you didn't make it? You probably borrowed money. You probably (laughs) to get the workouts, to get training, to do all those things. And it didn't work out anyway. Right. I just saying, take a take a smart path, get around coaches. And frankly, like me, that are going to help you. And if you have an opportunity, I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm not the only one. There's hundreds. There's thousands of coaches out there that care about their kids and want them to have the best path. And if that path's the NFL, man, I I would go through a wall for you to get you there. But not at the expense of all the other things you give up to get there. Yeah, and maybe that's maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's what spring football needs. These leagues needs to be successful is stop trying to be that developmental league. Stop trying to be that league that says we're the gateway to the NFL. We're 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 here to get you your shot, and start being your own thing and your own. You know, take your role for what it is and say, okay, we're we're a a, a lower tier league than the NFL, but you know give your players contracts where they have staying power to stay there and be the best player they can be uh, in that league at that, at that level, rather than, you know, they get one year contracts with an out if they get invited to uh, NFL camps. And, you know, with that being the, the, what they say is the goal. Um, Maybe that's, maybe that's the answer. And we haven't seen that yet in any of these spring football leagues, but with my experience coach and, and, and tell me your thoughts on this, as a fan talking from the fan side now, not as a player, it seems like the sport of football for some reason has the most fan football fan snobs, you know, of any sport where it's like, if it's not NFL, I don't watch. I mean, I have, I have had conversations with people just about the gunslingers in arena football. And they're like, Oh, I don't, I, I, that that's not for me. I, I, I only like, you know, real football on the hundred yard, uh, you know, out, outdoor field, you know, that that's, that's not, that's not a real football. That's not my game. You have fans that if it's not the NFL, they're just not interested. And I just don't get that as a football fan myself, but it is so prominent here in San Antonio, at least in my experience, people I've talked to, and I just don't understand that. Have you, have you noticed that as well, coach? Oh yeah. It is. It's, it's, prevalent and you're talking to a guy that i used to come i'd get done doing something and i'd be driving home and i'd go by a high school or a park and i would pull in the parking lot and watch a a peewee football game or i'd watch a high school football game from the fence and just because i love football Mm -hmm. just just because i love football um so it's hard for me to identify that it's just about the NFL or it's just about the, you know, you got people that only love indoor football. You got people who only love, you know, certain Canadian football. You got people that are all into that. Um, Football is easy, man. It's, we make it way more complicated. It's run black, run block, tackle, you know, score. Um, It's, it's a super simple game. We complicate it to make ourselves self-important. It's Mm -hmm. really pretty basic. Um, Jim Harbaugh said a few years ago, he said, it's really the last bastion of opportunity for to grow men because you learn so much in football. It's kind of like the military, but no one's shooting at you. Right. So it's, 
it's one of those things where you get in there and you learn things that you wouldn't normally learn in life um, at all levels. Like I give all the praise in the world to high school football coaches. I did it for one year and I already killed myself. I couldn't take it. <laughs> it was the worst experience of my life. It really wasn't coaching. I, I wanted to get out of coaching after that. Um, and I just said, they're a special breed. And one of my good, good friends, Clinton Alexander, he's in a private school in Virginia. He coached just one coach of the year again. And this guy, you know, he has these kids over for dinner and he's helping them with homework and he's counseling them on dating relationships and all that. I'm like, good God, man, please. Yeah. After the guys leave team meetings, I don't want to see him till tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's one of those deals. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 just all that caring and love that he shows, right? That makes him well, special. And so I can get how people get passionate. Um, I think you can take passion and shove it up your wazoo when you charge sixty thousand dollars for a Super Bowl ticket. Okay. I think then you're not respecting those guys that are passionate. You want to have a great Super Bowl. Charge everybody three hundred bucks a ticket. First hundred thousand, great. You know, uh, it's all about the money, coach. It's all about, all about the money. money. That's, that's what I'm saying, and, Leo. It's and all let me take, let me take a moment. I know we're running, we're we're fixing to have to, uh, we're fixing to have to cut this thing. We, we could talk all night, all four of us good. But let me get up on a soapbox for just a second and say this is not just related to football, but it fits perfectly in the conversation that we're having. This world is going to be so much better. Our society, our world is going to be so much better when all of us, I'll throw myself in there, but I'm trying to do a lot better with it. Stop trying to gatekeep other people's enjoyment out of something. You're not, when you use the word, you're not a real football fan. That's not real football. That's, that's not, you're not really this. That's not really that. That is gatekeeping. What you're trying to do is throw up a gate and say, I'm the real Dallas Cowboy fan because I know and can list all of the quarterbacks all the way back to Eddie LeBaron, and you're not. Who cares? If they're enjoying their experience, leave them the hell alone. Yes. And you enjoy mm -hmm. yours, they enjoy theirs, and maybe even try what they're doing. If it's not real football as far as you're concerned, go on your happy way, watch your NFL football for 16, 18 weeks a year, plus the playoffs, and then be bored the rest of the year and don't watch the IFL and don't watch the UFL because it's not real football. Fine. Be that guy. <laughs> I don't care. Do that. But right. stop trying to tell other – and this is not just football. This is everywhere. Stop trying to make yourself feel better about the way you enjoy your experiences by putting other people down about the way they enjoyed their experiences. Stop it. It's getting ridiculous. If people want to watch the game, and you, do you know how many people watched the game last night because Taylor Swift was there? Who cares if you don't like seeing her on screen for 45 seconds? It right. was 45 seconds. Who cares? <laughs> I'm going to answer your question, Leo's question, in the same thing. You want to know who the developmental league is for the NFL? It's Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Think it about is, it. Don't wait a minute. I'm being totally serious. She's developing fans at the rate of 300 million at a time. I mean, are you kidding me? So listen, there is there is a future Hall of Famer that watched football for the first time this year because his mom, older sister, whatever, is a Taylor Swift fan, and he fell in love with the game. It happened. 
and I guarantee RC, you it happens. I'm sure RC can appreciate this too. And that's the same thing is that that's how women can, there's certain women, young women, especially that mm-hmm. will, will watch NFL football. Now, if they know Taylor Swift's going to be on, of course, they're going to have what she's wearing and what jewelry and her hairstyle. Right. And that's the thing about it. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Right. As long as it doesn't take away from the game. Right. Sure. right. That's, that's the only issue I have. Like I said, right. I think they're a great couple. They're cute as hell. They're rich. They're famous. God bless them, you know, and all that. But I really don't want to see all that um, during a football game when it takes away from the football game. Now, if it doesn't right. take away yeah. from the football game and they do a shot up in the box and she celebrates, I think it's kind of cute, actually. You know, you, you you guys can take pictures of Susan and watch how she acts during the game. You know, she gets <laughs> the same way. No, she gets excited and, you know, mm-hmm. she'll say stuff and, we you know. We need right. a Susan cam during the game. Yeah, I mean, there we yeah. go. And then she'll roll her eyes when I do something wrong. It's great. You know, it's, it's perfect. But, but that's the thing is that I think we take things so over the top, like you were Mm -hmm. saying, Philip, is that, you know, why do I have to be wrong for you to be right? True. Uh, Why can't, why can't you have an opinion? Oh, I got into a a world-class argument with someone you guys all know very, very well. And it, it got a little heated. And and the one thing it's Jim Renee, it was Jim Renee. No, no, no. <laughs> and the one thing I said to him is I said, You asked me my opinion, and then you got angry for me giving my opinion. Right. And then he said, Yeah, but I wanted you to agree with me after that. And I said, So that's I, I and again, I love this person. I, I truly have an affection and love for this person. And I, I don't think I ever got my point across because in football you have to have such thick skin. Right. Because mm-hmm. think about it. Since I was a little kid, I was told how worthless I was <laughs> every day at practice. You know, right. you, you know, you get these old gym teachers smoking a cigarette while they're coaching football and you, you, you're having them telling you how you didn't run fast enough. You didn't do this. So you develop this thick skin. So then when you get in adulthood, um, you, you kind of tend to not have that thick of skin. Well, if you're still in football, your skin's thick as a crocodile now. Right. So I wasn't mad at that person. I was mad that. I said, you asked me my opinion, and because I wouldn't change my opinion, you got angry with me. Right. And I said, yeah. isn't it okay for you to still win, but me to have my opinion? Isn't that okay? And <laughs> at the end of the day, I think we worked out some commonality, and we both came to a realization that, yeah, we can be that way. And I think that I can agree that a guy is a Chicago Bears fan, and I'm a Detroit Lions fan. And half the time you end up by halftime having a beer together, you know, it doesn't have to be all in. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I think all this other stuff that's been going on in our society where you have to pick a side. Think about this. If you're a Trump supporter, you're automatically a racist. Oh, do we want to go here? Of this, of that. (laughs) No, I'm I'm being totally serious, though. And it's just based on that. If you're a Biden supporter then, you know, you're okay with all the other stuff, right? And I like what Dana White said. Do you guys follow Dana White from the UFC, the head of the UFC? Not a whole lot. Okay. So Dana White said something the other day that really struck home with me. He said, this generation is so weak, is so weak, that if you're willing to put your head down and just grind and work hard, you can own anything you want to own. You can do anything you want to do because – it's all built on, you know, sand, not on rock. All their opinions are 
and sand. So one one of the adages I picked up a few years ago, I don't even remember where I got it from anymore, is you don't build your tower taller by knocking other people's down. And and it's something that I say on this show pretty often. Um, I bet Leo and RC are maybe even getting tired of hearing it, but it, you don't. Your tower gets no taller if you knock other people's down. You've done yourself nothing. Mm-hmm. You've done a service. You've done nothing for yourself by knocking other people down. Stop it. Stop doing it. Stop gatekeeping. Uh, Coach, we could. We could talk all night. We, this could be a four-hour show. No. I have, <laughs> I have been told uh, that we need to make sure – we uh, we have a decent amount of time and not anymore. So we've got to start wrapping it up here. One of the things that we need to mention just as a show is that tonight is the last night to order your Smoking Guns podcast fan jerseys. They are exactly like the jerseys that I've got on here, the Gunslingers jersey. Leo's wearing one, the uh, 80s jersey that he's wearing. I'm wearing the Venom. They're the same company that makes those. They're going to be Smoking Guns podcast on the front. On the back, we've got some branding from not only the Gunslingers, but the San Antonio Brahmas. Uh, It is a way that you can enjoy the whole uh, thing. Tonight is the last night. We are putting in our order later this week. If you have a desire to get yours in your size for $40, you need to do that right now. All four of us are already signed up. We're all getting ours. Um, I've got mine. Leo and Dolores are getting theirs. RC's got hers. And Coach Tom Manas is going to be wearing his. Maybe when he goes out to one of those Brahmas games, when he has a day off, he can wear his uh, his Smoking Guns podcast. Love to. Today, today is the last day you can order it. We're putting it in later this week. We will order a few, just a handful of the most popular sizes. But if you want one, you need to get it to us. For our patrons, we are taking care of yours. Uh, we are we are going to take care of the cost for yours ourselves. We are also going to personalize them for our patron patrons only. And if you are a patron and your last name is not Stubing, <laughs> I have your information. I have heard from all of our patrons except for James and Jordan. And Jordan is the one that's going to help me put in the order. So he's going to have his opportunity. Uh, to get his in on that order too. So uh, patrons, I know that you've asked several times, hey, did you get my information? I do. I have all of you guys, uh, James Palmer, Jay Washington, uh, Kim and Greg, uh, Iris and Mo, um, and I'm sure I'm leaving others out. I don't mean to, but I do. I've got a list and I know that all of you have yours. If you want yours, uh, your fan jersey for the Smoking Guns podcast, get me an email at gunsuppodcast, that's G-U-N-S-U-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com, and we will get yours ordered. That is also the PayPal information that you will pay for your jersey at. I've got one order that I don't have a payment on yet. Uh, That person knows who they are, and I think they're even listening right now. Make sure you get me payment on that so that we can get your jersey to uh, get your jersey ordered. Do that. Do that tonight. These will not be offered again. We. This is the last time, the only time you will have an opportunity to order these jerseys. Once they're gone, they're gone. We may have a 2025 one, but this is it. We're done with these. Um, as soon as we order them, I'm, I'm 
I'm burning this picture. I'll, I'll delete this picture. <laughs> I'll never need it again. Um, so do that now. Coach, I love the fact that you can come on and spend a couple hours with us uh, just to let us know how things are going. I love the – I'm excited about Gunslinger Nation. I'm ready to get up to San Antonio at some point once you guys open up yeah. and just pop in there and take a tour. Um, I want to well, see that. You guys, you guys can – you you can private message me and I'll give you a, a little tour even Ooh. before that when you're ready. But um, can I say one thing before I cut out of here? Real quick. I, I just wanted to circle back on one thing. Um, I'd like to make sure everyone knows that every football player is striving for their goal and every on our team, on other teams and all the leagues, you, you know, I pray you stay healthy this year. I, I, I pray that you're the best version of yourself and you get that opportunity. I pray all the leagues are successful because that's more opportunity for so many young men and coaches. Um, but just don't forget why you're doing what you're doing and um, keep it in perspective and you can have a happy, happy life doing what we do. Um, sometimes you just have to uh, reel yourself in a little bit and not not diminish what you're trying to do in expectation, but maybe just achieve what you can do in expectation at a different place. And that's why we love our little boutique uh, league that we have. So, but I wish everybody well this year. It's going to be a great year. Um, that, that first week, notwithstanding, which is going to be a rough week for you guys, but I think it's great that you could. Why do you the keep time saying that? Why do you keep saying that? For real, why do you? What do you think San Diego is going to come out and they're going to look like Goliath? You know, uh, I, I know a guy named David. We're fine. We're good. When, <laughs> when we first, I'll, I'll, t I'll tell you why I keep hedging my bets. There's actually a reason, and it's actually related to our show. When this team got started, uh -huh. we immediately our first game was against the North Texas Bulls, which was our rival that year in the AAL, and we kind of puffed out our chest and. We were excited about our players and it was going to be a, we were going to do awesome. And we were going to just, they were coming here um, and we were going to win. And they, Leo, is it fair to say they embarrassed us? Like, I think that was an embarrassing game. It was a rough was game. Yeah. At the end of the game. And I took crap for it the entire season. To be honest, I still take crap for it when North, North <laughs> Texas Bulls folks, but uh, see, you're you're doing so Philip. Now I hedge my belts a little bit, and I'm we'll like, see. hey, okay. We'll but see. you're doing Philip exactly what I said. I don't do. You're worried about <laughs> the fact that you're taking crap for it. I don't care. You can give me crap <laughs> if it doesn't work out. Hey, I, I should know, probably not happiest, care. Too. I'd be the happiest 15 and one team in the league. Sure, sure. If it didn't work out, like I, I told the coaches this the other day. I told the owners this the other day. What happens if we come out and we're all in four? You gonna fire me? <laughs> I said you that's can. not gonna happen. No, but I said you can. Doesn't mean I'm still not gonna win the championship, right? It's you. Do, you just don't panic. Now, saying with bravado that we're gonna go to San Diego and we're gonna put a whooping on them, right? Let's if do it. it. Work, if it works out, right? I could run for mayor. If it doesn't work out, <laughs> you're gonna run me out of town. Okay, but that comes with the job. And if you're not willing to bet on your guys and you're not willing to bet on your organization, what the heck are you doing in pro football? What what the heck are you doing? So I'm not worried about it. They can talk. And if he, hey, we go to San Diego, we have a great game. We win. We come home. Oh, we're great. Two days later, we got to get ready for a game. 
and we're playing a NAS team that's that's really good. Good, good and, team. And really good team. And then we got to battle them. And then we say, okay, we're licking our wounds. Then we got a game in another couple of days. Then we got another game in a couple of days. And, you know, so it's never going to get easier. But it goes back to what Leo was saying. Adversity makes for great stories. Right. If, if you're going to write a story, write one with a bunch of adversity in it and then be victorious, because that's a real story. You know? I think I, I think the key here, I think the point that I'm looking forward to in this season, because you never know what you're looking at. You do. You're the coach. You see a lot more than I see as a fan. The point I'm looking at in the season is actually April 26th. And the day that is, is that's when we go to Frisco to play the fighters. The fighters are a very good football team. Uh, at least they were last season. They probably should have been in the championship game. That didn't work out. Sioux Falls beat them. They probably should have been. Well, they changed the coaches game. right then too. Right. Um, at that point, we will have four games under our belt. And my bet is Frisco, this team that has been in the IFL, that was close to the championship game last year, will be looking very differently at that date on their schedule when we get to the 26th. And what's great about that is we're going to we're gonna play them there, and then we come here and play them here the next week. So they look at their schedule on the 26th, and they go, not only do we have to get through this week, we got to get through next week there. At that point, I think we'll have a real good idea of where we stand in the league. That's the point where we'll really have a good gauge on everything. Yeah, I think and, I think you're right. You know, when we're seven and zero, at that yeah. point, we look really good. Yep, I agree, Co- Coach. I think you go up into San Diego and you win that game by forty plus, as you said. And then when you come back, what is it, four or five days later, and then you have to play Northern Arizona in the home opener, and you beat them by 50, 60, whatever it is. You make them strip off their jerseys, take off their helmets, and leave everything here, and go back home and redesign the logo because they have the nerve to use do, do, do you know stuff the too similar to ours. They actually stole your logo. Yeah. Oh, no, no, and admitted to it. Wait, what do you mean? Okay, so <laughs> oh, admitted to it. Wow. We Wait, were, yeah. We, what do you mean? This is a story. Hold on. All right. So, I'm not going to say who or what, but I promise you this is a true story. And basically, it got brought up. Hey, your logo's really a lot like our logo. And they said, we know we basically copied your logo. You know the t- things of it, which is flattering. Yeah. It's always flattering to get copied, right? We were right. in a different no, league. So we were in a different league, so it didn't matter. So that's why they went with it. Now that we're in the same league, it looks like we're, you know, step step brothers. You know, yeah. Our logo and their logo. Yeah, I, I'm I'm all about hey, winning percentage keeps the logo. The other team has to change theirs. That'd be fun. Yeah. You know, but no, it's it's cool. It's like I said, it's it's enough that you know we we can identify differently. Yeah, um, it'll be fine. Yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. No, I'm 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 excited, and I really do think that that home and home, uh, two weeks at Frisco is going to really. But by the time we get there, we'll really know. Um, we'll really know what we're looking at, uh, not just from our team because we know what we have, but we'll know what everybody else has too. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have sure. a good base all the way around the league of oh, okay, these are the teams that we actually have to yeah. worry about, and these are the teams that we just don't. And everything like, right now. That's Everything true. right now is hyperbole, right? Everything because right. you don't even know Absolutely. who's in their final roster, right? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this though, which is really weird. You know, people ask me, well, why do you have confidence in the San Diego thing? And I said, 
Well, even if I didn't have confidence, I'd say I have confidence in our guys. But but the point is, is like I get a transaction report two, three times a week and I see who's on rosters, who got traded, who got cut, who got released, who got signed. And I keep looking and I look for their four or five best players from San Diego last year. They're all gone. So in my opinion, personnel wise, I thought they had a really good roster last year and they had some really good football players. And I look at my roster and I still got all mine. Right. So there comes a point where it's got to be man to man. Is my man better at you at this position? Is your man better than me? And obviously I think our guys are better by position. Okay. doesn't mean they're not going to be a good football team. I don't have anything to go by. I got a list of 40 guys, which 15 won't even be there. And they could trade up and they could change everything. Hey, I promise you this. I try to get through an entire season with my core guys. I try. Will we have a guy get injured? Yep. It happens. Will we we have a guy move up? Yep. Will we have a guy, you know, quit because he's got family issues back home? Yep. You're going to see different guys. Unlike Coach Shaw, no disrespect, he should have modified his roster towards the end. Yeah. He should have brought in guys. Okay. He, he should have brought in a few guys to help with that heavy lifting at the tail end because the guys were tired and the guys were beat up and all that. And there comes a point where you got to be very, very careful that you don't do it out of loyalty. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So I agree. Coach, uh, we've loved having you on. You were welcome yeah. anytime. He is coach, uh, head coach and general manager, Tom Manos. Go listen to Branded every Wednesday night. They start at 7 p.m. They run till about 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Um, they do that show live, and if you miss it, you can catch it uh, broadcast on the Inside the uh, re- inside the Walls Network. Yep. Um, they're, they're cast on that on Fridays, I believe, is what they do with that. And we're going to have um, you guys on soon, so looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. We'll come on and uh, take over your show, and you can – Listen to me talk for hours. Because uh, that's what I'm good at doing. Uh, Coach, we're excited about the season. We're excited what things are going to look like. And we really appreciate you taking some time with us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you all. And to the fans, I hope we see you uh, on April 6th at the Freeman. Let's fill that place and um, support these young men. Um, and watch us on April 1st, of course, on YouTube. And um, we'll try to bring you home everything we promised. Yep. Yeah. Thanks so much, Coach Tom Manas. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, guys. When it comes to pro football, no matter where it's played in the country, whether it is up in northern Arizona or out in San Diego, whether it's the 100-yard field or the 50-yard fight, Leo, RC, even Coach Manas, when it comes to pro football in San Antonio, the 2-1-0 has got something to say. Bang, bang. (laughs) 